This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories in logic. My God. <laughs> You're so, this is so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hole. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today, bud? Oh, sir, it is a stupendous week. God uh, damn it. I know. <laughs> two, week, two weeks have gone by, and I'm still using the word ad nauseum, just like, you know, the, the shows we watch. But, um, yeah. you know, we touched on it last week, Cole. You know, uh, WrestleMania came and went last week, but we didn't watch it yet because we're adults and we like to put episodes in the can just so we can live our lives yes unfortunately for our listeners we are going to be a little bit uh a little bit delayed on talking about mania you guys are going to hear an episode uh you know we're, we're two episodes after mania has actually happened but in reality we are only one week post mania uh because both of us had shit to do in our adult life the week of wrestlemania and could not record uh, an episode that week so but if you want to hear an attempt at a wrestlemania review <laughs> we were delighted to be guests on the Ch- on the bucks effect uh podcast with uh former booze and the dudes or current booze and the dudes uh I, I, they have a show they have lots of shows but uh big bucks chuck uh uday ukulele uh, ukulele I, I i don't know what his name is yeah, now yeah, yeah whatever and then uh richard the cool or dick spores or dick the cock as i used to call him back in the day <laughs> couple of great funny guys it was supposed to be a wrestlemania review it it wasn't uh it was just a bunch of wrestling fans talking shit but i would love to touch on mania just a little bit maybe hit the high spots maybe some low spots if there's any there's not a lot because <laughs> i had a great weekend watching wrestlemania what say you cole uh i did as well i i think it, it was definitely one of the best wrestling weekends in years i will say uh i, I want to kick it off with the hall of fame uh, I personally loved the fact that they only had four inductees to the Hall of Fame this year, and it was short and sweet. Um, and of course, I'm going to let you have the mic here because your favorite wrestler of all the times, The Undertaker, uh, was inducted into the Hall of Fame this year by Vince McMahon, who usually has nothing to do with this production whatsoever. I thought Vince was great. I thought the whole thing was great. Scott Steiner was fantastic, getting all emotional. Uh, but for you, a hardcore Undertaker fan, uh, I don't I, I don't think it go. you know, Ron would not be here talking with us today if not for the Undertaker hooking him into, you know, this lifelong addiction. So I'm going to let you just how was the Hall of Fame for you, Ronald? It was fantastic. Uh, but before I get to, you know, the reason why I watched, I got to get to the reason, you know, I was moved to tears just out of nowhere with that Shad Gaspar tribute. It was just, yeah. it was gut-wrenching. And then the the, the speech wasn't bad uh, at all. Like, you know, the, the, the wife was comfortable. The kid was brave to just stand up there and, you know, kind of soak that in. Uh, I, I, I just, it, it moved me so much. And I, I uh, you hate to see that, a guy that 
great of a person uh, miss this. But I'm also happy he got this recognition as well. My my only complaint is, do we really have to have Dana Warrior giving this award every year? Does she have to be the presenter? Can we just I like mean, get someone that can talk a little bit and has the tiniest bit of charisma? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. No. I would. I I wouldn't have a problem with Dana Warrior being up there if she, if she like read the room and knew why she was up there and didn't like you know do some hokey comedy shit on the way to a very serious presentation. Correct. Uh, I it. I don't care necessarily about who she was with and why she's there, but if she just took it a little more seriously, I'd be a little less offended. Um, but let's get to Taker. I yes. I was one of the guys that was like, this should just be a one-man show. because Not, not just because it's Taker, but because whoever goes in with him is going to be kind of overshadowed. But I think that's why they went with four total inductees. But... If you look at uh, who got inducted with them, I was excited to see the other four as well. You know, I, I uh, Vader, absolutely deserving. You know, I, I kind of wish he would have got his flowers while he was still with us. Especially since he got, he basically had got his diagnosis and knew that he wasn't long for the world. And he made it known that he really wanted to be a part of the Hall of Fame before he passed. Like it was he was out there. He let people know I'm I'm going soon. I'm checking out. I'm not long for this world. My heart is done. Like it is shot. I don't know how much time I have left. If you're gonna put me in the damn Hall of Fame, do it now. Like he he campaigned for it and they still shit in his Cheerios and then you know, inducted him post mortem and that's unfortunate. Yeah, totally unfortunate. And they probably were, you know, maybe a little concerned of what Vader might say on the mic, which is kind of, you know, uh, hypocritical when we talk about the next two guys that got inducted <laughs> into the Hall of Fame, the Steiner brothers, which is something I wasn't going to, I didn't think I was going to be seeing, you know, anytime soon, but it happened. It was awesome. Uh, they acknowledged that Braun Breaker is a Steiner on TV now. Yeah, but then they they took away his awesome singlets and gave him a basic black singlet now with, like, just brawn on his... Like, why? They sure did. They sure why did. Why do they do this? But <laughs> but as far as the Steiners going in, I thought it was great because, you know, just like the Dudleys, I felt like this is kind of passive-aggressive. You, know, uh, you know, Scott went up there and did his thing, and then Rick just had to get up there and go, you know, you know, thanks for leaving me so a little, little bit of time to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was... But uh, they got through it, and it was really awesome. I, I and truth be told, like as as much as Scott talked, I loved what Rick said more. It was really sweet and uh, a moment those two deserved. And then, last but not least, you know Queen Charmel, who was kind of a polarizing inductee, but I disagree. I think she deserved to be in there because, for my money, she was a major contributor to Booker's biggest run. It wasn't just Booker. That it was the complete package that made him a top guy with that whole King stuff. Booker's, uh, you know, acting ability and his overacting ability for that character was so good, and she played such a major role in it to get him more heat. So, as far as that's concerned, I think she's a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. I will say, when I watched the Charmel package, um, I was. I became okay with it in the moment. Like, you know what? She was good at what she did. Like, I still don't think she has enough of a track record to deserve being in the Hall of Fame. But at the same time, like, with some other people that are in the Hall of Fame, you're just like, whatever. Like, at this point, I don't care. 
I just I wish that they wouldn't feel pressured to fill quotas at the Hall of Fame. Like, oh, we have to have a tag team. We have to have a woman. We have to have a person of color. We have to have, you know, uh, uh, someone from a specific era. And then we have to have a main event. Like, I, I just, I don't know. There's there's more deserving women than Charmel, but it doesn't mean she's undeserving completely. So I was okay with it in the moment, especially when they went through the boogeyman stuff and did all that. And they showed her reactions and she was really good at what she did. So I have no problem with it. Uh, now having remembered the package, my problem was that was like the first era when I was kind of losing interest in watching raw and SmackDown on a weekly basis. So I didn't see a lot of that stuff necessarily. So, but, uh, the reminder, I was like, I'm good with it. And her speech was fantastic. And, uh, you know, fuck it. Everyone that touched Booker T is in the Hall of Fame, so why not? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And speaking of people who have touched Booker T, uh, the next man, the main event, has touched him quite a few times. Um, yes. The Undertaker. I thought this was awesome. Uh, it was like Hogan in Montreal-esque in 2002, uh, just not letting him speak for yeah. an absorbent amount of time. And this is, you got to factor in that this is, you know, close to midnight. People are not yeah. tired, and they were waiting for this. And they let him have it. Uh, Taker got emotional. Uh, Vince got emotional. I love that Taker's mic was on still when he went and hugged Vince and told him he loved him. I was like, mm! yeah, just right in the feels. Um, and I tell you what, like, if Taker was to wear a headset and take this Tony Robbins speech on tour, <laughs> I'd be a season ticket holder in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think I think he's got a career in that shit. He went for an hour. Uh, he thanked all the right people. I don't think he missed anybody. Um, he he just let everybody in. I feel like the audience that are like huge fans of Taker really needed that live, intimate session with Mark Calloway. I think it was like the best closure ever. And typical Undertaker WWE fashion, a little wink to Vince. He puts on that coat and hat and says, "Never say never." And I'm yeah. like, "Okay, Terry Funk." Um, <laughs> I, I would say the only person that was, that may have been, uh, omitted from his speech that maybe deserved to thank you was Mick Foley. But other than that, yeah, I think he, he hit everything. So, and Mick's, uh, a little vocal about, uh, WWE shortcomings and how they handle certain, uh, certain things. So maybe that was, uh, asked upon. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't talk about Mick, <laughs> but then again, they just, they just came out with a lunchbox of Mick. That's like my favorite thing ever. So, oh yeah, I, I still I think he's still got a you know some kind of legends deal from Hall of Fame. Uh, we had Ring of Honor. Did you get a chance to check out Ring of Honor yet? No. Okay, so then I will just say this: the Briscoes versus FTR is by far the best tag team match I've seen in maybe since DIY versus FTR, and uh, so. I mean, this was the best tag team match of the last five, six, seven, eight years. It was incredible. It felt like a fight. It was fantastic. And then we capped off Ring of Honor with Samoa Joe uh, is all elite. And he was the last thing we saw on the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. So uh, are you excited for the possibilities of Ring of Honor or since all the results were basically all the underneath guys at uh, AEW won all the Ring of Honor titles, 
you think this is just going to be kind of their quasi-developmental thing? I mean, I, I called from the very beginning, like, right when Tony announced the uh, ROH, you know, purchase. I was like, well, now there's a method to Tony's madness that everyone's been criticizing about signing everyone that... I was like, he's signing too many people. He's signing too many guys. How is he going to cope with all these stars? And then he buys Ring of Honor, and what, what do you know? Now he's got two different, you know, companies to fill. And he's got more than enough people to, you know, fill it. So I think ROH is going to be one of those, you know, maybe twice a year quarterly shows where, like, we have, like, super dream cards um, that with uh, ROH's past and ROH's future. And I think this was, like, a like a um, a coming out party for, hey, here's what it looks like with all these entities intermingling. And Joe coming back at the end of it is a throwback to Ring of Honor's glory days. Yes. And him being all elite and bringing that to you know tbs and tnt and i think it's just going to be a great cross promotional thing tony khan is making his own competition uh within two companies um so i don't think it's going to be necessarily a developmental thing i think i just think it's going to be another platform for maybe his extras to get some you know tv time and get put over by ring of honor's past yeah, it, so I, I did enjoy about half of Ring of Honor's uh, card. The other half was uh, anywhere from ho-hum to irritating the crap out of me, like the opening match where there was a poison Rana from the apron straight to the floor on uh, Shane Strickland, and he landed on his head on the floor and then, you know, got up and did a rest hold after that. Like, it, that wasn't... That wasn't uh, <laughs> It wasn't like the finish or the next thing before the finish. It was just like the middle of the match, opening match on the card, Poison Rana from the apron to the floor. Hooray. <laughs> that, de that definitely tracks. And one of the side effects for not being in the uh, performance center anymore is to lose psychology almost immediately. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, no, Ring, Ring of Honor, I'm excited for the possibilities of Ring of Honor. I think one of the, one of the first things that I fantasy booked was like, oh, you know Joe's still out there, right? Yeah, <laughs> and that's the what do you know? It's the first trigger they pulled. So, stand by, Claudio. Yes. So uh, the last thing I want to mention before we just talk about the high spots of Mania, uh, FTR had a hell of a week because they after that just the best tag match in a long time with the Briscoes. They followed up with probably my most enjoyable Bucks match in AEW. The Young Bucks and FTR just tore the house down on Dynamite this last week. And uh, it closed the show with really a big main event. I can't wait to hear what our favorite podcaster has to say about this match. I think he may actually have to compliment the Young Bucks for the first time ever. Um, so check that out if you haven't seen it. I have not seen it. I have a bunch of wrestling to catch up on. But I will say that, you know, I'm on Team Matt and Nick. And I'm, and I'm well aware that they have it in them to do psychology. Uh, one yes. of the best matches I've ever seen live. Uh, one of my favorite tag matches ever, until maybe I'll see these two, uh, was the Young Bucks versus Kenny and uh, Koto Ibushi live at a New Japan show. And I was just in awe of the psychology I was watching. Uh, it was just, go out of your way to watch that. It's it's on New Japan World somewhere. Uh, the Bucks have it in them to be psychology geniuses, but they choose to troll the wrestling audience and <laughs> and and i love them even more for that so it's it's refreshing to see and you know not surprising on uh, for me to know that they had a banger of a technical tag match with ftr so okay so that brings us to mania 
we're not going to go match by match or anything, but uh, what were the high spots for you? Were there any low spots at Mania for you? I thoroughly enjoyed night one. Uh, night two was less enjoyable for me, but I still enjoyed it. And uh, I think we this might make the bracket the next time we do a WrestleMania bracket, you know, years from now. So uh, what did you think of Mania? I'll say this, and this might be a hot take, but I think, well, no, I know you've already agreed with me, but I will put night one of this year's WrestleMania against pretty much every WrestleMania after 31. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. night one. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect. Like, you know, uh, the very opening match was Snake Bit from the beginning because that was supposed to be uh, Shinsuke and Cesaro's tag team win, but then they threw Booger in there, and then, then Booger unfortunately tore his quad, and that was horrible to watch. Poor guy. Not my favorite act in the world, but you don't want to see someone get injured. Yeah, and, and I thought it was a good match uh, yeah. up until, I mean, in, you know, injuries happen, it's unfortunate. Um, I feel like maybe Knock and Boogs were supposed to win the titles. Um, but then again, the visual at the end of WrestleMania night two wouldn't have been the same without, uh, the, you know, the brothers holding the belt. So, um, yeah, good opening match. It was fun. Uh, but yeah, Boogs, it, it might be it, it this, uh, my only concern is that this ends up hurting Nakamura in the short term because now he doesn't have an act. So, <laughs> well, actually, this may have uh, helped things because if you watch SmackDown this past Friday, which I didn't, but I saw clips we're on the collision course for Roman Reigns to wrestle Nakamura uh, for the title now. Ah, so they're gonna they're gonna feed Nock to. <laughs> yeah, yes, they're feeding Nock to Roman, but Nock is on the main event scene for uh, for the time being. Good. Uh, so that's good. Um, but I like how we talk about the high spots, but we go right to the first low spot of the night. But <laughs> so bullet point my high spots: the Cody return was everything. That uh, it it was so cool. Like it it was like. It was like, if you can get into his head, wh how much better could that have been for him? Like, he, he leaves a mid-carder and then comes back with such pageantry and such top guy treatment. Uh, you had to just, you know, kind of sit there and kind of live in his shoes for a second. And that kind of pulled some emotion out of me. And uh, for my money, the match of the night for night one, as far as the rest wrestling matches are concerned, I feel like this was Cody's plan all along. I feel like AEW was never a long-term plan for Cody. Um, and I think his uh, soliloquy on Monday Night Raw, where he told his story about Dusty. I, I will say this. Let me just start with this. I watched Monday Night Raw in its entirety for the first time in probably two years because this mania was so good. And it was good. So... Yeah, uh, and Cody's uh, speech, his promo on Raw was amazing. He let it be known right off the bat. He's here to be the world heavyweight champion, and that's all there is to it. So hopefully that's where they're going to slot him, and he didn't come back to eventually just be mid-card fodder again. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, I don't think he would have uh, jumped ship uh, for the money he returned for just to be kind of lost in the shuffle again. Uh, I'm excited for what the future is for Cody. And then right from there, uh, Bianca and uh, Becky Lynch had my favorite women's uh, match of the evening or the weekend. Uh, they told a great story. They went a long time. They got they got some time for their match, and they told a great story. 
and you know they anointed Bianca and I think this this was the moment Bianca was hoping for last year uh but you know I'm not taking anything away from that moment because it's been talked about at nauseum how great and emotional of a moment that even was uh so that was great that was another high spot for me on night one another high spot for me on night one uh would be you know I did like the Charlotte and uh Ronda Rousey match uh, it was yeah. It wasn't smooth. It was a little ugly, but it wasn't like bad ugly. It, it was ugly be. in the way that it looked like a fight and a struggle. Yes, and people get kind of get lost on that. It's like oh, it's just you know there were there was like you know there were some hiccups there. I was like yeah, but if you watch a real fight, there it it looks boring and it's a hiccup. There's hiccups everywhere. Yeah, jockeying yeah. for position, struggles. You know who cares? You know maybe you know maybe Ronda needs to work on her ring awareness and her facials, but you know it's still. And I've and I touched on this too. Charlotte is a ring general. Like I just yeah. more and more I see it the way she can, and you know she does things that maybe you and I can only see or you know people people yeah. in the business. But you know you can tell that she's just in complete control and directing traffic with everybody in the ring, even the ref. And, and I just more and more I see her. I just more and more I don't join the bandwagon of oh this this woman's down our throats. Like no, she is where she is for a reason. Yeah, she's the best. <laughs> yeah, and plus, like the possibilities, we got a we got a a, a top woman flair, and we got a top guy Rhodes in the company now. I want to see what's the, what's gonna happen there. We gotta maybe do like a an intergender four horsemen. <laughs> and that would be fantastic. I'd definitely be up for that. I I yeah I I I think Charlotte has just kind of proven she's head and shoulders better than than just about every other woman on the planet when you consider promos and character and everything else, you know, she might not be the best like bell to bell. I still think that's, you know, either Oscar or Candice LeRae flip a coin. One of those two is the best bell to bell workers. And, but flair is the best total package wrestler in the way. I mean, she's a star. And I think I'm looking forward to maybe her and Bianca at next mania. Is Bianca now, let's just, the last two Manias, she's beaten Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. The two of the, you know, the, there's like four real women stars in WWE. Now she's beaten two out of, out of those four. And going forward, her future is huge. I think her and Charlotte next year has to be where they're going. Yeah, has to be. And maybe, maybe a little stop to Bailey on the, on SummerSlam. Correct. <laughs> but, um, and then let's just get to the main event of uh, of night one. My yes. my goodness, this was like I I posted on the interwebs that I'm 12 years old again, and it just did not disappoint at all. The KO show, you know, uh, KO comes out, cuts a fantastic promo, uh, and then the glass shatters and the people blow, and it's just it's 1998 again. And then he he hits the stage and then goes back, and then it's 2003 again because here comes the ATV. Uh, Austin just goes around the ring, comes in, and you could tell he just hasn't missed a step as far as uh, the, as far as his crowd work goes, because he can just yeah put the, the persona yeah just the persona like because it's him turned up to ten and just his facials, him staring at the crowd, him thinking about and pondering his choices that he's about to make. He's just got the crowd on an emotional roller coaster with just a single look, and you know, and and let's just talk about. Kevin Owens for a second too, like what yes. a pos- what a position for this dude to be in. I remember watching him at the Anaheim Marketplace, meeting him for the first time, and just this little chubby kid. And 
now he's like main eventing night one of WrestleMania with the person that nobody thought would ever come back into a wrestling match yes. ever. Uh, and we all knew it was going to be some sort of physicality because they wouldn't play the whole 19 years card without, you know, actually having a match because he's been back more than enough times. Yeah, it wouldn't be the last thing that they booked uh, if they were just going to talk and there was going to be a stunner. Like, I, I felt like this was... I mean, if you're smart at all to the business, as soon as Austin showed up and he had knee braces and wrist tape on, you're like, well. <laughs> yep, here we go. So, yeah, I think we all knew about the surprise of them having an actual match. What I didn't expect was, A, how long they were going to go, and yes. B, how much offense Kevin was going to get. It was fantastic. Uh, soon as yeah. Austin ate the, the steel corner on the bottom, uh, 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 on the outside yeah. of the ring, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, okay, well, then that's definitely, that's definitely it. No, he takes a suplex on concrete. <laughs> so oh. this, this so-called stack of dimes he's got for a neck uh, definitely took some risk, a lot of risk. And it just makes me wonder, this can't be his last match. Right. I, I, I could, that was a rumor that I had heard, too, was that Austin, if he was going to come back, it, it was going to be a real comeback. He wasn't just going to have one match. He was going to have one more run in him, which would be great. And I didn't see anything in this match that made me think, uh, OK, this is over. Um, I, I think he could still go. I know a lot of people were very concerned about the first round of mud hole stomps. Where, where he was really taking his time and milking. But I noticed, like, you know, for you and me, again, we noticed that he's he's eyeballing the crowd. Like, he's mugging for the crowd after every stomp, going, oh, oh, I could still do this. Look at this. Like, I mean, you know, he stomps him and looking out, and, and he wasn't just moving slowly. He was taking his time. And then he started picking up the intensity and I think once he hit that that post, like he fought, he was back, like he was one hundred percent back. The intensity picked up at that point, they, you know. And I mean, they did suplexes on the on the stage. Uh, one of my favorite things about this match was that you know Austin didn't just run Kevin Owens all the way down the seven hundred foot ramp. Like he went, okay, I'm just gonna throw this motherfucker. <laughs> and Owens did like him rolling down and selling was like next level good stuff. And then Austin just right on him to pop him when he gets his feet and he rolls some more. I thought that was one of the good things because you know we see it a lot where a guy just puts their hand on the back of someone's head and then they walk 50 feet, 60 feet, and it's really stupid. But Austin's like, no, no, bro, we got to fight. <laughs> yeah, he rolled down the whole ramp like a like he was in a dryer. It was fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, where do you go from here, though? Like, like if, if Austin's going to come back, what what could they do? And for, for me, the only thing you can do is correct a wrong that happened 20 years ago. I say, if, if we are going to get another match from Stone Cold, let's... Have in Los Angeles, where he lives, WrestleMania 39, finally against Brock Lesnar. I It's so intriguing to me just to have that match because it needs to happen. It's one of those things. And, and even Austin did an, a, an interview recently I saw where he said, hey, you're a dream opponent. Like, if you could have one more, you know, 
who's your dream opponent? He said, Brock Lesnar. He got a big old shit-eating grin on his face. Um, I feel like that'll be tough because Suplex City might not be a thing that's in the future for Stone Cold Steve Austin and that neck. Um, so that one might make it interesting, but uh, I'd love to see it. I, I think Brock's selling on, even on night two, where, where the match ended up not being what we wanted necessarily. I think Brock was brilliant, as always. Like, I mean, his selling is next level good. Yeah. I don't think he gets enough credit. So No, and his storytelling is top-notch, too, which is why I, yes. I totally trust that match fully. We might not get, like, the Germans, uh, but maybe uh, we'll get a bunch of overheads instead. Uh, but... And, and what's making me intrigued about it is that Lesnar has done two interviews where he's kind of like uh, combated the what's from the audience by like just a, just slight jabs at Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Oh god! I'm chomping at the bit, and and I'm I'm all <laughs> I'm already going to WrestleMania 39. That's on the table. But if that shit it happens at WrestleMania, I uh I I won't leave. I won't leave. I'll just be frozen and mark happiness if that happens yes. <laughs> all right so night two night two high points low points uh i think there this was the only spot where there was really any kind of low point in the night uh i think bobby lashley almost getting killed by almost on the on the steel ring post uh was a little scary i'm glad bobby uh wasn't seriously injured um i just gotta ask where are you on the Jackass match? Because right now the Jackass match is uh, hotly debated debated amongst the internet wrestling community. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and here's why. Uh, you know, yes, there is a lot of holes. You know, as far as psychology goes, it's it's a pure comedy match. Uh, it's the most El Generico match you will see in WWE. Um, I just, you know, it was, it had its place on the show. This was where, this is where it's time to laugh your ass off. And, you know, it got huge pops of the match. When Wee Man came out, the place blew. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, since we're talking about a celebrity match, just one quick high point from night oh, one, yes, Logan Paul yes. did oh a fantastic God. job. But we've, we've, we've discussed that just amongst each other. Logan Paul, I think, should do a career pivot. Because uh, <laughs> I think he's a fantastic uh, wrestler, uh, I mean, has the potential to be. He's definitely a fantastic character. Uh, but going back to Jackass, I'm on the side that it should have happened. I thought it, it was great. The build for it was funny. Uh, you know, what what more can you say? Like, it just had it had funny spots in it. Like, it the 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 spot where Johnny uh, hits the button and, and triggers the pyro on Sammy's ass was like one of the most the best things ever. And I would have loved to been in the creative room to come up with this match. Uh, I, now I may surprise some of our listeners here. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the Jackass match. I thought it was great. Um, I think if we're going to have comedy wrestling in any way, shape or form, uh, if we can contain it to one segment and we know from the start, this is the funny, this is silly, this is nonsense, but it's fun. Um, then we're good. And we didn't have any ridiculous backstage legends dancing segments on this mania we didn't have a damn we didn't have any of that nonsense that we usually get at a wrestlemania which i don't know if that's just a, a covid thing or if they're just done talking about legends uh but 
if we can contain it to one 20 minute segment on the show, put all the comedy, all the silliness, all the dumb stuff in one spot, then I'm good with it. Same as like, if we're going to do a hardcore thing, you know, if we're going to have a ridiculous match with, you know, blood and guts and all that, if we can contain that to one, one match, one, you know, feud, then it's fine. Um, you know, if the whole show had been comedy, silly bullshit, and then this match happened, I probably would have hated it because I would have just been like, God, oh, here we go again. But uh, let's just review watching with my kids, right? Uh, how hyped up was my seven-year-old when the mousetrap table got pulled out of the fucking ring, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, she... and then how mad was she when they didn't use it immediately? <laughs> and And how happy was she when they finally used it? Yes, she literally screamed at the top of her lungs and popped. And then she said, wouldn't it be great if they just had, like, one giant mousetrap for the finish? And then they delivered the seven-year-old's dream. <laughs> Absolutely. And my, and my goodness, and just to touch on that, you know, my daughter wasn't in the house for WrestleMania Live, and she's not really the biggest wrestling fan. But once she once the internet told her that Johnny Knoxville wrestled Sami Zayn, she went right to the downstairs and put on the cock and watched yeah. that match only. And thought it was the best thing ever. So there's something to be said about grabbing a new audience with something like this. And I, but I also think this was like super, just like catering to us anyway, because Jackass was 20 years ago. Like that's when it started was 20 years ago. So it's right smack dab in the middle of our childhoods, you know. <laughs> and, yes. And so it, I think this was great because it was funny. It was a fun segment. They had little kids literally calling Sammy Zayn, be like, "Is this Sammy Zayn?" Because they put his like, I don't know if it's his real phone number, but they got him a phone with that phone number, and the calls were legit. That was a real thing that really happened, and so that was awesome and fun. Um, I, everything about this I enjoyed, and it was great, and it didn't hurt my feelings. Um, I will it was say, honestly, though, maybe my highlight of of night two, if I'm being honest, it might have been my high point. <laughs> yeah, that that might be a thing for me as well. I mean, we'll get there, I'm sure. But uh, and I will like to say one more thing about this match. You know, it was really cool to see May Young and uh, Mark Henry's son debut. Uh, <laughs> that was my favorite spot because they did it so well off camera. You didn't see the hand sitting there at any point on camera. <laughs> yes, not at all. But uh, good for good for him. You know, it was a debut that I've been long waiting for since its birth. So, oh. uh, <laughs> but uh, all right, we spent enough time on Sammy and J- and uh, Johnny Knoxville. Uh, another high point for me, and I'm probably alone even in this room. Uh, the Edge AJ match was cool. Uh, I thought I I I've been on my own saying that I like this uh, change in Edge. I do think it's a little soon for a heel turn like this when everybody wants to love him because it's not working in the sense where people are booing him. They love this Edge, and well, they're not. I thought I, this Mania crowd uh, booed him. Oh wow. no! I thought I thought there's, I, I thought it was pretty good. There's but. even a there's even a a close up of uh, Edge before he gets in the ring of this guy like bowing to him and like yeah Edge and Edge is just like staring at him <laughs> like yeah stop I'm working. but I th- I thought they did a good job throughout the match of getting heat on Edge and getting him to cheer for AJ. I enjoyed this match until the finish. I hated the fucking finish so bad. One because the spear is just a bitch move at this point. It's just a throwaway. It, it happens all the fucking time. So when the spear is a finish, I'm always ho-hum about it because it sucks as a finish at this point. Um, but also, just a guy standing there is enough to make AJ just forget that he's in a wrestling match and just take his focus off edge 
and yeah. then lose. Like I, I, I didn't. I hate out of nowhere finishes in general. I'm so sick and tired of that. I think it's the worst thing that's happened to the business. Um, where it's just like guys are just rolling around doing a high spot, and the next thing, oh, he caught a Kimura, matches over, which you know that's MMA influence. Uh, but it's not exciting in pro wrestling to just catch a fucking hold out of nowhere or hit a spear out of nowhere in one, two, three. I hate it. Let's go back to building up to a big finish where people actually blow their nut when Austin hits the stunner. You know, like, yes. can we do that, please? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. You know, I, it's funny because, you know, uh, you know, this one didn't offend me as much because at least you get the spear out of the midair. I don't yeah. like the distraction thing. I don't like the, hey, look, a distraction because, hey, I'm working here, pal. I'm in, I'm in a match. Uh, so, and it's funny because the spear in midair in a match in the middle and then you go home for the main event with just a random spear that kind of kind of yeah uh, that kind of eats shit but uh let we'll let's just get to that because i'm pretty sure that was the next high point sort of was brock and roman i thought they were building to a high point like the main event i felt like all right this match is going better than expected uh they're having a good match and then they just went home and like okay like yeah. after two nights of a, a very enjoyable wrestlemania just for that it's like okay yeah, and I'm and I'm hearing rumblings of maybe like Roman was maybe hurt or whatever, but uh, you know if that's the case, then I kind of understand it. But yeah, but I'm talking about just strictly in the moment. You know, we were just kind of huh, and then we yeah. were both kind of like, well, if, if the finish is this flat, then obviously the Rock's coming out, right? And then yeah, when, something's got to happen. And yeah. when when the copyright thing popped up, we're like that's really oh, it. So, yeah. I mean. So there's one of two ways of looking at it. You know, we can just look at it as a flat main event of a weekend, or we can just look at look at it this way. The weekend was so good that, like, it was hard for those guys to top it. <laughs> so Yeah, that could be. But let's, let's, before we end WrestleMania talk, we got to talk about Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory that turned into uh, probably the most talked about moment of the WrestleMania weekend. Uh Pat McAfee and Austin Theory had a great match. Okay, so here was my takeaway from the weekend. My overall, Archie, why are the celebrities better at professional wrestling than professional wrestlers nowadays? I'll tell you why. Why is that a thing? I'll yeah, tell you why. Do. Because they have carte blanche. They're, they go out there and say, like, just do you. This is why we hired you. We, we're not going to bullet point your shit. We're not going to script your promos. We're not going to do this. You are Pat McAfee. You are Logan Paul. You are Ronda Rousey. Just you know, Johnny not, Knoxville. Johnny yeah. Knoxville. Do Johnny <laughs> Knoxville shit. Do Logan Paul shit. You know, Pat McAfee has gone on record on his own show in front of Vince's face, saying, "You don't. You're not in my ear at all. You don't tell me anything what to do." And then Vince tells him, like, "Well, you know, if you if you did anything I didn't like, then I would tell you." So I yeah. think I think everyone who's an actual employee there are so scared to go into business for themselves because Vince will always say that if you're gonna go off script, it better be that damn good. But yeah. But, you know, there's also that underlying fear of that you, you, it better be that damn good. And everyone's afraid to be that damn good, I think. Everyone's walking on eggshells too many times. Uh, that's just my point of view and just stories I've heard and just how I'm interpreting things. Uh, well, but it's more than that to me because, like, Logan Paul is a better heel than just about anyone in the business. Like, MJF and Daniel Bryan are, like, the only two, and Roman right now. Are like the only two guys that are heel doing heel as well as Logan Paul did. Um, I honestly the overall the biggest highlight of WrestleMania for me was the fucking crowd was insane. 
for two days nonstop. Um, that's like the best wrestling crowd I can think of besides like, I don't know, the Canadian Stampede. Yeah. Like that. that's it. This WrestleMania crowd was insane. This felt like an 80s, 90s wrestling crowd where they popped for everything. They booed the heels. They reacted to everything. And when Logan Paul hit the three amigos, Jesus Christ. Yes. But then when Vince McMahon... Okay, so Austin Theory, uh, Pat, Pat McAfee. McAfee. Pat McAfee wins. And Vince was, the second Vince McMahon started taking his coat off, we knew what was coming, right? Yes. And it was the best. Yeah. It was so good. Vince McMahon just like strutting around the ring, making fun of Pat McAfee, punting a football into his fucking gut. Oh, I loved it. I loved every part of this. And then when the glass shattered, like, did everyone in the whole world collectively just jizz their pants? Yes. Like, every wrestling fan. Oh, my God. We got one more Vince McMahon and Stone Cold segment in the ring. And the worst stutter of all fucking time. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But it was it was poetic because, you know, the first stunner he ever took was bad. And he topped it. <laughs> he, he topped his worst stunner ever. His first stunner was the worst stunner ever, but then he just happened to top it. But you know what? Who gives a shit? Because Austin got up and let the audience in by just laughing his ass off. Yes. Um. And then he hits pack pack. He hits Pat McAfee with a stunner, and he takes a great stunner. Austin Theory stunner. Is yes. Can the... we please put over my my gimmick nephew Austin Theory here? <laughs> yes. Yes. We're, we're putting him so over. He's swimming up over us right now, taking a stunner. Uh, <laughs> I love the swim up, uh, stunner cell. It was like, uh, it was almost a nod to Scott Hall, but even better. Um, and then just, I, I, I mentioned this on, uh, the Bucks effect, the, the, the snapshot of WrestleMania to me is Pat McAfee laying out, pouring a beer down his throat, selling a stunner, just still, yeah. just still drinking. It's like, yeah, I took a stunner. I'm, I'm in pain, but God damn, it's a beer bath. What? <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was a perfect segment, especially if you're a nostalgia fan. Um, I don't think Austin's done. I thought Vince McMahon having some fun out there, and even even we all kind of knew Austin was going to come out. And they and the the music person went to play uh, Austin Theory's music, and uh, <laughs> Vince stooged it off like by doing his facial expressions and reacting to Austin Theory's music as if they played Stone Cold's music. Go back and watch it; it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to go back and review that shit. So, but yeah, so WrestleMania solid B plus A minus for me. I loved the weekend. I enjoyed it. It was nice for wrestling to be fun, especially in WWE for once. So, speaking of fun, let's get to the goddamn subject matter at hand today. <laughs> I know we promised each other we weren't gonna review WrestleMania, but forty five minutes later, it's been reviewed. So, uh, this week, our subject. Take it up with creative. What if Razor Ramon stayed after the curtain call? So I wrote down a lot of notes, but since we're already 40 minutes into the show, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give an abridged version. Uh, Razor Ramon <laughs> debuted August 8th, 1992. The only reason I wanted to watch, to mention this was I learned a thing today. Uh, he wrestled Paul Van Dale, the father of Carmella. I did not know that Carmella was a second-generation superstar, ladies and gentlemen. So I learned a thing today. <laughs> so did I just now. Yeah. Uh, and so he came right in, feuded with Randy Savage, so slotted him as a main eventer right off the bat. He was supposed to take on 
the ultimate warrior and a savage at Survivor Series, but Warrior did Warrior things, and so he didn't even make it from SummerSlam to Survivor Series, and uh, so Razor main evented against Mr. Perfect in Randy Savage, and then Razor at Royal Rumble. Right off the bat, they slotted him in that main event slot, getting the title match against Bret Hart. I just recently watched this again, 1993 Royal Rumble. It's a great card. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Boss Man, bro. You should revisit this if you haven't seen it in a while. Every match on this was incredible. The crowd was insane. Great Royal Rumble. Bob Backlund goes like 50 minutes in the Rumble that year. It's fantastic. Um, and then, of course, Razor wins uh, the Intercontinental title for a, an unprecedented four times. And uh, after leading into WrestleMania 12, he's kind of feuding with Goldust. Um after the match at Rumble with Goldust, he kind of gets this idea in his head that he doesn't want to work with Goldie anymore. Magically, a drug te- a failed drug test shows up. He gets suspended, so he can't do WrestleMania. They substitute Piper for Razor, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. Razor wanted more days off. He wanted more money. Vince wouldn't give him either of those things, and so WCW called, offered him a light schedule and a lot more money. And so the NWO was born. Um, but we're going to pick it up after WrestleMania. What if Scott Hall stays? Ronald, do you want to take this one first? This was your idea. Sure. I could take this one first. And, you know, even though we are going long today, we still got to give the man his due. I'm going I'm, I'm to go into detail because we just lost this man and I'm not going to phone this in. I will edit the shit out of this to make this, you know, if it's a 90 minute show, who cares? Because I think I agree. I think Scott Hall deserves uh, a main event status push for the ages. And I really worked hard on this one and I'm excited as shit to present it. See, this one, this one was a little hard for me because when you pitched the idea to me, I went like, Ugh. like in reality, I went like, Ugh. I mean, at that point, Razor kind of had done everything he was going to do for Vince. I don't, I didn't feel like he saw him as a main eventer, so I didn't think there was any way to get there. And then I started looking at the roster and what was going on there, and it was super easy to come up with something. And uh, I like what I have, but let me hear, Ronald, what well, do you have? Well... Hulk Hogan comes out and blows up. No, I'm <laughs> oh no no. <laughs> okay no 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 sound effects no nothing. It's just we're go- There's no razor. I mean, there's no there's no Hulk Hogan in this storyline. Okay. No bazooka today, ladies and gentlemen. No no, but we are firing on all cylinders. So, the curtain call happens May 6, nineteen ninety six, and how I'm doing it? I'm going to have the curtain call still, but. Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, and Hunter Hearst Elmsley all beat the shit out of Diesel in the middle of that <laughs> ring in the cage. Just all of them turn on Diesel. And it's a heat-inducing, the garden's going ape shit. So, like, they went to let everybody in, but then they pivot and we go straight to Angleville. And uh, we, we shit-can Diesel and, and Diesel's out. And we have a stable of Shawn Michaels, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Razor Ramon together. Not shooting, not a not the infamous curtain call, but an angle that can only be seen at a house show at the Garden. So, Stone Cold Steve Austin wins King of the Ring the very next month, and Razor cuts a promo on Austin after King of the Ring saying, You're trying to get over as the bad guy, 
But I've been the bad guy the whole time. If you want to step up, you gotta go through me. We have a feud, a program, between Razor Ramon and Stone Cold, who just came off of a feud with Savio Vega, who at the time was one of Razor's friends. But now that Razor's kind of a heel and kind of with Sean and Hunter as this like quasi click, and just, I think a good first feud for Austin post Austin 316 would be a guy that calls himself the bad guy, Razor Ramon, versus someone who's getting over acting like a bad guy. So I think the story writes itself, so we have that match at SummerSlam. But I would say that Austin definitely, you know, there's lots of gaga. Austin's got to go and, you know, beat Razor here. But it doesn't really hurt Razor because there's got to... I'm sure there's some gaga, some disqualifications. He's got a stable with him, you know, all the top guys coming up. I mean, Shawn Michaels is the top guy. Hunter's on the rise, and, you know, Razor's firmly right there. So I think that'd be a good path for Austin to take before he gets to Brett at Survivor Series. But another thing that I kind of changed here was that we have a debuting Rocky Maivia at this year's Survivor Series, and instead of using him in just a random 10-man, I would say let's put Razor in the ring and have an open challenge. And his debut, Rocky Maivia, comes out to face Razor Ramon. He did it for one, two, three, kid. Let's do it for Rocky Maivia at the Garden. Uh, and, you know, and I think Razor is one of those guys that is so cool that he can lose a match and tell a good story and not have it hurt him. He's a professional at it. So at the Royal Rumble, and I didn't know this as a fact until you know before I started writing this, but the real Razor Ramon, the real Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, had never ever competed in a Royal Rumble. Wow. Ever. Rick Bodner, the fake Razor, did. But yes, okay. uh, D- uh, but Scott Hall himself has never been in an actual Royal Rumble match. So in my story, 1997, we got Razor Ramon in the Royal Rumble, just kind of shit canning a couple people, and then Diesel comes back, and we got the big Diesel return. Holy shit! And we take this feud to WrestleMania 13. I would have Razor versus Diesel, WrestleMania 13. We're not touching, uh, we're not touching Austin and Brett. I'm leaving that the way it is. Uh, Sean could still, you know, be smileless and, uh, <laughs> and maybe help, uh, things, uh, in this diesel match, which I kind of have, uh, implemented here. It says razor beats diesel at WrestleMania 13 with lots of interference because he's got all the douchey heels with him. So after WrestleMania 13, Taker's the champion. And the first thing razor wants to do, he wants to challenge Taker for that title. I beat the guy that you beat last year at WrestleMania. And now I'm going to beat you for that title. Anyway, so <laughs> so he challenges Taker to a casket match because they're clicky and they're using wrestling terms. He's like, I'm going to bury Taker at SummerSlam. And then we have the match. Taker is about to put Scott Hall in the casket. He opens up the casket. Powder in the face. Oh, my God. Powder just came from the casket into Taker's face. And who's in the casket? But one, two, three, kid. What the fuck? Right out of the casket. One, two, three, kid throws the powder in his face. Here comes Hunter. Here comes Sean. They all jump Taker. Throw him in the casket. Razor Ramon is your WWF champion. And it's heat inducing. But the very next night, the very next night, we get the Andre spot. Razor Ramon is going to hand the championship directly to Shawn Michaels live on raw and just 
solidify that, hey, this is the click and this is our top guy. And we're just going to do things our way. I, it, I I think of like Eric Bischoff handing the title to uh, to Triple H during the ruthless, ruthless aggression era and just how much heat that got. So Razor Ramon passing the uh, the title off to Shawn Michaels, maybe even saying like wrestling terminology, like I don't even need this. <laughs> so here you go. And like Shawn Michaels takes it and does like fake crying and just like does like a real like pompous asshole type of thank you speech like you know oh i deserve this blah 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 and then we get whoever's the president i don't know if gorilla monsoon is here still or if vince mcmahon is starting to take some you know some sort of like on-screen role but whoever comes out is gonna say no 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 we can't do this and then we make the match for survivor series bret hart versus Shawn michaels because that's where we're leading up to and in my angle the Montreal screw job is not so much a shoot angle. We still have Bret Hart going to WCW. That's all backstage politics, and that's happening. But in my world, Bret Hart agrees to this finish, where the Montreal screw job actually ends up being a returning diesel, power bombing Bret Hart into an oblivion, and Vince McMahon allowing the pin to happen, and the entire click, the entire click. In storyline is in on it. And when I was thinking about this, if Bret Hart went to WCW without the NWO, wouldn't he be the cool guy? Wouldn't he be the cool factor in WCW at that point? That That's true. Bret Hart's booking in WCW, go back in our archives, it's atrocious. But, you know, for the time period, you know, the NWO, Austin 316, maybe Bret wasn't as cool as he should be with all those entities around him so if maybe we took all that away the nwo factor from wcw and we get the leather jacket the pink and black attack and he comes and he makes wcw cooler i think he would have been a lot better off uh in my opinion so well I, I yeah i think he would have been better off i i just i feel like without that that you just touched on something that might be uh interesting to put down as as a possibility uh, what do we do with WCW without Hall and Nash would be also another thing that we could take and go back to that point where Hogan wasn't really getting over, wasn't really getting the reaction. And uh, how could we get that over? What could we have done in 96 instead of the NWL? That's, that's an interesting uh, aside here that we've touched on because if Hall and Nash both stick around with the Fed, instead of going over to WCW, uh, I don't think we have Monday Night Wars. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, bullet point, them just kind of forming the super clicks slowly, the Montreal Screwjob being like a written angle, an agreed-upon angle for Bret Hart's exit. Not so much, hey, ring the bell, he tapped out when he didn't, I think would be money. I think it would uh, give Bret Hart a better platform and a better chance to really be the top guy in WCW. And... I think I kind of stayed true to Razor's career by, you know, he, he didn't really have the title. You know, he, he just kind of like won it very unfairly and passed it off and uh, just was the cool guy the entire time and just had more of a compelling angle as opposed to just him being the top guy. So uh, I loved all the possibilities here. I loved uh, including, you know, I almost wanted to change one, two, three kids name. I was like... <laughs> Just call him Waltman. Just Waltman, yeah. So 
yep, that's what I got. Uh, I, I made the curtain call uh, an actual angle instead of a shoot angle. I made yeah. the uh, Montreal screw job an angle instead of a shoot, period. Uh, definitely. I, I will say this. I went an absolutely, completely different direction than you did. This is one of the few times we have nothing in common in our stories. Sweet. But except for this, I, I what I realized today writing this um, – when the day comes that we, you know, finally have all our shit together and we've got disposable income and we start a wrestling promotion, there is absolutely going to be a heel faction. Like, that is 100% a thing that's going to happen. Uh, and you just confirmed my confirmed it for me today. There is going to be a heel super group because I think it's the best. We always book heat is kind of what this comes down to. And uh, I did no different today. I booked heat. Um, that's the only, you know, that, that would be the only thing we have in common. I booked heat and there is a super group, a heel group involved. Um, so yeah, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, uh, spoiler alert, when we have a wrestling promotion, <laughs> there's going to be a heel faction that's going to dominate <laughs> and the baby faces will chase them all around. <laughs> Business. But for me, uh, so I, I went a little different. I'm definitely not, uh, keeping the curtain call if I can help it. Uh, it may happen because I'd have no control over that. That was a thing. And it was a throwaway thing. It was a house show. I don't think it's that important in the, the annals of wrestling history. I think it gets blown way out of proportion. Uh, most of the fans have no idea it ever happened. Just us idiots that go on the internet and look for news and, you know, we heard about it. But um, so for me, I'm going to, we're, we're Vince McMahon now. Razor's coming to us asking for a little more time off little more money, a few more dates. So what I'm going to do is go ahead and say, I'm right with you, bud, but we need to keep you here because you're one. You're a top guy. You're one of the best workers in the business. I'm just going to go ahead. Let's just give you a couple few months off. We'll pay you. Go home. And from uh, WrestleMania 12 until SummerSlam, I have Razor off TV. But at SummerSlam, what I do have is Shawn Michaels versus Vader still happening? Um, but I'm going to, you know, not let Shawn be a dick and do whatever he wants. And I'm going to force this to happen because we've got Jim Cornette involved in this. Uh, we've got Vader. We've got Owen and Bulldog. So what I'm going to do at SummerSlam is we're going to have a big old schmoz. We're going to have the distraction. Uh, go figure. Corny's going to be involved in in a, with a big group in distractions. Uh, this if this sounds like the last taken up with creative, it kind of is, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, what's going to happen? Razor's going to come down, take his chain off, wrap it around his hand, pop Shawn Michaels behind the referee's back, and Vader is your new WWF champion. And uh, so now, after the match, we've got Corny and Bulldog and Owen, and Vader, and Razor celebrating together. Talk about a group with talent. My goodness. So we're rolling through. We've got the corny bunch over here with his four just, you know, wrestlers of doom. You know, yes, we're recreating the four horsemen, but in WWE. Um, In short order, the next pay-per-view, obviously, we need a cage match for Sean and Vader in the rematch. But we're also going to have on the undercard Razor Ramon taking on Ahmed Johnson for the Intercontinental title. And, uh, you know, we don't really need Ahmed Johnson to have that title. He's not worthwhile. So, 
you know, we're going to have this cage match and there's going to be, you know, Razor's going to win the IC title. And then in the main event, we're going to have Owen climbing the cage, Bulldog trying to climb the cage. We're going to have a big old schmoz, this thing. But this time, the lights go out, the gong rings out, Undertaker shows up to make sure that Sean gets a fair shake, takes everyone out, runs Corny off, runs everyone off, and Shawn Michaels regains the title. That's at uh, In Your House. I think it's 10 at that point. Um, then, now Razor is the five-time Intercontinental Champion, setting a record. Uh, main event for the next In Your House will be Vader and Razor taking on Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Uh, this is before, right before Survivor Series. So again, we're going to get Bulldog and Owen involved in this main event. But here comes Sid to make the save with Yokozuna returning to get his comeuppance uh, uh, on the corny bunch. So now that's going to build us up to Survivor Series. We're going to keep this angle alive. I think, you know, if we could do this for a Survivor Series ever where we have a real feud where it's four on four and we could build up to Survivor Series, we could actually maybe reinvigorate this idea and make Survivor Series a big deal again. But Survivor Series is going to be like, talk about a star-studded match. Psycho Sid, HBK, Undertaker, and Yokozuna on one side, taking on the corny bunch, Razor, Vader, <coughs> Bulldog, and Owen Hart. That is the main event. Uh, we are going to have Razor eliminate Shawn Michaels in this match. And uh, so that will lead us up to Royal Rumble now where we're going to have title versus title, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, champion versus champion, and I'm going to have Razor Ramon for the first time win the WWF championship with obviously outside interference and help from Corny and Vader and all those guys. But that night... I'm going to do something that uh, wouldn't happen for a long time, something that should have happened a lot earlier. The Undertaker is going to win the Royal Rumble, and so that's going to set up for our main event of WrestleMania 13. We get to keep the Austin and Brett match. Uh, Sean's taking a break anyway at this point because, you know, he lost his smile or his knee fell off, whatever his excuse was. And so we've got Brett and Sean on the undercard, We've got Razor Ramon versus Undertaker in the main event. I think that would have been a lot better than uh, Taker Sid. I'm just saying, probably a better match than Taker Sid. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I'm going to keep the streak alive. I'm not killing the streak. But I'm, I'm kind of with you on Razor. You know, he doesn't need a long title reign. He's, he's one of those guys I feel like if he ever did get a title reign, he'd be a little bit of a transitional title. But... Coming out of WrestleMania, now we've got all the options. We can turn Razor babyface, but we've also got Razor right there with Stone Cold, so we can have that feud coming out to build to SummerSlam. And now we've made Razor a top guy. He's been the WWF champion, so we can always go back to that well. We've got Brett and Razor can do something. Uh, obviously, the corny bunch is going to break up here along the way because Brett's going to turn heel and steal... Uh, I mean, you know, they're done with Vader. 
shortly after this anyway. So uh, Razor's kind of on his own, but I think we can really get Razor and Austin kind of in that tweener mode where they can go either way. And now the whole entire roster is up. I really like the idea of using Razor to help get Rocky Maivia over. I think that's something that that definitely would have happened at that point. We also had Razor to kind of, he could have elevated Hunter Hearst Helmsley at that point. So I think the options are, are, are endless. But for me, I think we get the main event of WrestleMania, Razor versus Undertaker, I think is the money match um, for that year, considering that Brett was, you know, kind of just coming back from an injury. So we couldn't main event him and Sean did what Sean did. And so I, I think with, with the lack of options, Razor Taker is the best main event we could possibly have that year. So, what yeah, say you, Ron? Yeah, and uh, there was a there was an angle between Kama and Taker where uh, Kama stole his urn and melted it down into gold chains, which would be oh, way yes. better for Razor. <laughs> all yes. things considering, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, and like the the angle was super cool. Like he stole the urn. He said, "I'm gonna melt this down into into some bling or my gold chains." Yeah, yeah, and and he did so, and it looked awesome. So if if uh, if that was part of the angle leading up to Razor versus Taker, it would have made a lot more sense because he's you know he's a top guy that's known for his gold chains. So uh, I think that would be that would be classic. Yeah, and uh, it ties into the chain spot where he punched you know Sean with the chain to cost him the title in the first place. Yes, it's so, perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, so my angle, we get a Vader title reign and a Razor Ramon title reign. So <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm all I'm all for it. Two completely different angles and uh, two very money making angles. I think uh, I think we would have loads of entertainment no matter what took place for Mr. Hall here uh, or Mr. Ramon rather. But uh, I think you know, yeah, I think you know after that curtain call, if he had never left, I think both both directions he could have taken and would have been just fine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, this is one of those times where, I, you know, it's uh, I, I don't think either of our storylines need a whole hell of a lot of tweaking. Um, so I guess this one would just be like, you know, pick your poison. Which way do we want to go? And who cares? <laughs> well, I mean, I honestly, the, la the last six or seven we've done has been that, that. We're just like, here's mine. Here's yours. What do you got, audience at home? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what was, it? was it Sting? Well, I, I, you know, we've had a few where it's like, okay, I like this. And we could meld our storylines together. Yeah. You know, because we kind of, but this is one where we both went in completely opposite directions with different cast of characters. So there's really no way to meld them together and come up with one great storyline where both of our ideas are represented. So I, I, you know, rather than debating who won, I just, let's fuck it. Razor would have been awesome no matter what he did because um, he's just, that great i really he's one of the guys that's in the kind of just on that level with ted dibiase and ravishing rick rude where they didn't get a title but they were so good whatever they did was going to work it was going to be great uh even if the spotlight wasn't shine wasn't shining right on them in that moment they could pick up from anywhere and it was going to be great it was going to be a hot angle uh, and we could heat them up i mean evidence he went to wcw and blew up the wrestling world yeah so. hulk hogan himself went on and said that scott hall made him cool again and what a, what an honor uh, to you know 
that's such a feather in your cap to make somebody who was on top of the wrestling business cool again. Yeah, and good and good on Hogan to admit yes. the fact that it wasn't working anymore and he wasn't cool anymore and the fans were uh waning on Hogan. So good good on Hulk. He 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 usually he almost always says the right thing politically speaking. Yeah. As far as wrestling goes. Uh and, and it sucks that he gets booed. His name gets booed every time he's mentioned now because of a private phone call with his fucking daughter um what a cunt for allowing that to be recorded and and put out into the universe otherwise you know we'd just be loving hulkster absolutely yeah we're not allowed to do that these days i know people (laughs) people's shitty opinions don't work for me brother but that's right uh (laughs) one more thing on scott hall before we take this home uh i you as you know i'm not a grass ball fan i just don't follow it but uh, 1994 SummerSlam is when I, uh, you know, first my first pay per view to, and I everyone knows why I watched it. Taker versus Taker. That's that's how it went. But uh, in this in this pay per view, uh, we had Razor Ramon versus Diesel, and Diesel on had Shawn Michaels in his corner, and uh, Razor Ramon had Walter Payton in his corner, nice. and uh, you know I'm sure football fans know who Walt, Walter Payton is. I'm an eight year old kid who's never watched football and never cared about it, and I just thought I was like. I remember being so jealous. I was like, "Oh, that 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 guy gets to walk down the ring with Razor Ramon. How 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 cool for him!" <laughs> I'm so jealous of that. Nobody, <laughs> where like they're promoting it, like Razor gets to walk with Walter Payton. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but I'm over here, like, oh, he gets to walk with Razor. Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. just uh, arguably the greatest running back of all time in the history of football. So. Yes, yes, yeah, and, and I know that now with the benefit of research. But you know, I'm yeah. just going by Ron's, um, Ron's lack of knowledge on the grass. Yeah, ball Ron's field. worldview at age eight is different than Ron's worldview at 38. No, know? actually, it's not. If I didn't do any research, I would have the same thing. I'm like, oh, that guy's awesome. He gets to walk with Razor. I'm so jealous. Well, yes, but at this point, you understand that the Super Bowl is a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so even though it, did, it wasn't in your, you know, your world purview at eight years old, uh, at this point, there's, you know, you have to acknowledge, like, if Tom Brady walked down to the ring, because, like, even Ron knows who Tom Brady is at this point. So <laughs> Yes. Yes. Even though I'm still guilty of, like, confusing him and Peyton Manning together. I was like, that's that's the... <laughs> That's the yeah, quarterback, that's like right? Quarterback guy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he throws balls, right? Who's the one everyone hates? Yes, yes. Tom Brady's the one everyone hates. Peyton Manning is the baby face yes. uh, that everyone loves. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh man, this was a lot of fun. I didn't you know what? I gotta say, um I didn't I didn't necessarily get emotional when I heard Scott Hall pass, but today for whatever reason it's getting to me that we're talking about this. And so I'm just a little out of sorts at the moment because, like, we lost one of the most talented performers in the history of our business that we love so very, very much. He never got his just due of being named the world champion. Like, he always was there at the top of the middle of the card, but he never got to that next level and it's just one of those things you feel you know for a fact that if he was around today he would have been a multi-time world champion everywhere and uh you know with all the stuff that he went through for the last several years of his career and life until he got clean here recently it just 
it's nice to just say positive things about the guy and talk about how great it is. But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, today it's kind of getting to me a little bit that we're we're missing Scott Hall. Yeah, there. yeah, no, I, I I feel that for sure. And you know, I will say that I don't think there'll ever be a wrestler cooler than Scott Hall. Like he just walks in, like he's just one of those guys that just like that's a cool dude. Uh, it's just and everything he does is cool. Like the way he talks, the way he the, his swagger. His machismo, uh, you know, everything about his look and his timing and his cadence just screamed cool. And if if you've and if you like know the guy uh, just based on interviews and, you know, what what he believes is that the world titles didn't really mean much to him. It was just the money. He wanted to be a top guy as far as money went. And if you really break down his career, the guy got to leave the biggest company in the world on his own terms and be the catapult and a third of the reason why another company was as, as reached the peak of its successfulness by continuing to be the coolest guy in the room. And he made a hell of a lot more money and worked a lot less. And then, you know, he achieved his goals in that regard. But then like later on in life, when he started having a downturn with his health and his, you know, question and his demons as the wrestling uh, industry calls it, uh, for him to make a complete 180 and enjoy seven more years of his life and actually not have a Vader spot in the Hall of Fame, he got to accept his induction and actually have a speech that's replayed all the time. And... Yeah, it, yeah, really one of the best Hall of Fame speeches ever. Un- sure. Another another thing, Scott Hall just does, doesn't get the respect and love that he deserves, but... Yeah, short and sweet, and it's the most quoted Hall of Fame speech that they've had. And I, you know, I'm glad he got that. I'm glad he got, again, seven more years of life with us. That was really good with moments like, you know, NWO reunions, WrestleMania 31, uh, DX reunions. You know, he, he had he had a lifetime of of happiness that we never we didn't think he was going to get seven years prior. So I'm glad he got that. It's a shame he's gone. And yeah, it got to me too, Cole, because uh, right before we hit record, um, Diamond Dallas Page posted a photo of him, Scott, uh, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Cody Hall at the funeral. And it just like, oh, I'm ready. Let's go. Uh, well, so with that said, um, I think that's going to do it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, big thank you, Scott Hall. Uh, you were beloved by many. You will be missed. And I, I hope if you're, you know, you're somewhere and you can hear this, uh, I hope we did you proud. One of the most creative guys in the history of the business. And, uh, yes, thank you, Scott Hall, for all the memories and all the wonderful moments. And uh, thank you, Ronald, for bringing me this idea and, and allowing me to finally kind of deal with my grief about Scott Hall passing away. So, uh, for Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you, we love you, and good night. Mwah. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly on Instagram or Twitter at Ron for Your Life. Number four, we'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.